Welcome to another leadership podcast from the team here at C3 Southwest Washington. To find out more about our church, visit c3swwa.com. In this series, if you want to follow along ever the notes, uh, we put them up on the file. And if you use a QR code that's on the left-hand side of the screen behind me, you'll have access to them. And we're in this series entitled Intentionally Us. We're talking about our high-level values as a church family. Uh, These aren't just things that are on the wall, but these are things that we really, um, I think, already exist within the heart of who we are that are part of our greater C3 family. But they're values that we hold very near and dear to us. Um, As people come into our church family, we welcome them in, but we are who we are, and God has created us that way. God's created you as a chance, as a specific individual, a specific way. And in your lifetime, there's going to be people that try to change you. Now, if they're trying to rewire you, don't let it happen. If they want to help you to be the better version of you, that's perfect. But God's made you different than Jay and different than Trisha and different than Mary, but God's fashioned you to be you. And this is an expression of who we are. And so we, we know who we are. We're excited about that because God has, has woven us together this way. And so we're looking at number nine tonight, a couple of scriptures I want to have you look at, um, which are, are incredible scriptures all around the topic of love. First John chapter 4, verse 16, God is love. It's not just that God is loving. It's not that God has a heart of love, God is love. If you were to boil him down to his ingredients, he's the highest concentration of love. He is love. He's not just loving, he's love, the scripture says. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says that God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, he sent his son Christ to die for us. I like to say it this way, when we were at our worst, he loved us best. That's what scripture reveals there. So God is not just love, but he demonstrated love when we were at our worst. And 1 John 4, 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever has been born of God, uh, whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. In other words, once you experience the love of God, his love becomes a part of who you are, And now you're able to love others appropriately the way that God has designed. And I got to be honest with you, it's a little bit intimidating of a topic for me because I like talking about warrior stuff and kicks to the face and fighting off the devil and faith and, you know, doing crazy uh, God vision stuff. And I'm charged with the challenge of talking about love. But I love um, the biblical uh, view that we're going to jump into tonight. It's been so helpful for me. So the uh, title of my message is Love is Our Tone. Um, and tone, much like the sound that's playing behind me right now, to set the mood that maybe you didn't notice. Love is also a tone that we want playing behind our lives. It's a, it's a, it's a maybe not noticed, but it's an experienced tone of everything that you do. So that whether you're giving your child a hug, the track in the background's playing, of your life is playing love, or even when you're disciplining your child, the tone is still love. That while you might land a job and get a big paycheck and you cash that and the background is love, or if you're the judge handing down a guilty verdict, the sound playing in the background track of your life can still be love. A police officer who's saving the day for someone or handing out a fine 
the tone of our lives is love. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for your good people in this room, our church family, people who are online. We thank you for the miraculous things that you've done this week, good things that have taken place. Pray over those, Lord, who are facing challenges and difficulty. Um, Lord, I pray that you will breathe your word through what I'm saying. I have limitations, and certainly this topic would be challenging in some ways, but there's so many great things to extract from it, Lord, whether it's men or women or children or adults. And so I pray you'll help me to communicate it clearly. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, and everyone said, amen. High five the person next to you. Grab your Bible and uh, jump with me into this thought. Um, how many of you know that words have many times multiple meanings? More than just one meaning. If you and I were to go out to the parking lot and I were to hold the door on to, to, the, to a vehicle open for you and would say, jump in, uh, this, but be careful, this car is hot, I could be saying one of possibly three things. I could be saying this car is hot, as in it's really cool, which is the opposite, but you know what I mean. This car is hot, like I really, really like it, like it's a T-bird from Smokey and the Bandit or something like that, right? Or I could be saying, be careful as you get into this car, the vinyl seats are on fire because it's been sunny all day, and you're going to burn the backs of your legs, right? The car is hot. Or I could be warning you that I've just stolen this car, and the police are coming up the street, and this car is hot, and so when we talk about topics, it's so important that we get lined up on what do you actually mean by that word? In fact, I think a lot of what happens in our political environment today where everybody has an opinion and needs to express it at every turn that a lot of times people find themselves arguing because they're misunderstanding the words and oftentimes they're saying the exact same thing only they're talking about using, using a word differently or they're saying something completely different than what they think they're saying because the word means something different to them. So when we talk about this idea of love, I want to help you to understand the difference between worldly love or the way the, this world looks at love and biblical love because they are definitely two different things. And to be honest with you, why I would typically be uh, challenged to talk about this topic is because the most pervasive understanding of love that most people have is a worldly love, which is an intense feeling of affection for another. It is basically an emotion. It's something that comes upon you. It's like when you look across the room and I fell in love. Some of you, that's you right now. And that's awesome. Uh, maybe it's a, 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 not only an emotion that overwhelmed you for some, someone else, but maybe it's a child was born in your life. And you looked at that baby and had no idea that you could possibly love anyone or anything at this level. Now, the reality, that is an emotional experience that you're having. And it could happen in the case of a cause or a movement. The problem with this concept in love is as soon as you can fall into this love is as about as quickly as you can fall back out of this love. That thing that you really love that you purchased once you started to have to make the payments, you quickly begin to fall out of love. That beautiful person uh, that you started dating after you said, I do, and you wake up, you realize that there's some assembly required at the beginning of the day to get in that type, you know, and you've been sleeping all night and you got morning breath and whoa, you know, it could be that there are moments, it's never happened to me, but where the emotion dissipates a little bit and you fall a little bit out of that emotional 
type of feeling. Biblical love is definitely different. Biblical love is a commitment to act, and, the, and get this, you got to get this whole definition. Biblical love, every time the Bible talks about love, it's talking about a commitment to act on behalf of another to see God's best take place in their life. It's not just a commitment to, that's not enough. A commitment to could be a commitment to all of the wrong path that someone is on. It's when you look at your child and you love them so deeply that when they're doing the wrong thing, you spare not the rod so that you don't spoil the child. And I want to tell you, it, it was difficult at times to discipline our children. But love demands it because some things, if they go unchecked, lead to a bad outcome in someone's life. You know, loving someone doesn't mean always affirming them. It means fighting for God's best in their life. And sometimes God's best for their life is a different course of action than they are on. You tracking with this? And if you really love someone, you don't let them run off a cliff into danger. You don't let them chase after things that could harm their life. You're committed to seeing God's very best happen in their life. And it's definitely a commitment. And I'll say this, sometimes it comes with emotion, and sometimes there's no emotion at all. And sometimes you can really know when it's love when all of your emotion says bail, and yet you've made a commitment and you keep pressing forward to be committed to that person to see God's best happen in their life. There will come a few moments when you fall, you've fallen out of that loving feeling. You've lost the loving feeling, and yet you keep pressing into the relationship because true love ignores the feeling and chases that person on behalf of all the good things that God has for them. That child that you at that first moment thought, I've never loved anything more on this planet. There will come a moment. Yea, I say unto you, and I'm not even that prophetic. Yea, I say, there come some moments where not only are you not happy with that child, you'll have some intense non-loving feelings, and yet you do all that you can to fight for their good. And so that's the beautiful thing about biblical love. It really, it starts with a decision, and then it's communicated, and then it's demonstrated. Um, and it's commanded. You know, you know, I know it's a decision because God commands us to, first and foremost, love him. The book of Mark chapter 12 says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. It is a command. So if it's a command, then it means it's a decision that I can act upon. I can actually decide, I'm going to love God. And so I make the decision, and I step across the line. We do that when we get married. That's what the marriage ceremony is all about. There's a line in the sand. You say, I do. You step across. And whether there's intense emotions that day, I love, I get, I, it's really awkward. I got to be honest with you. I do weddings, and you all watch from this direction. I am standing within poking distance of the couple. And every time I say, you may kiss the bride, I'm, I, I just cringe because I'm so close. And you never know what's about to happen. And some people are intensely passionate. And I'm like, I don't want to get caught in all this. I don't want to see this this up close. Um, and, and I'll be honest with you, watching some couples, it's like there's just such a strong emotion there at that moment. And then for other couples, that emotion, that, that's, that emotional moment doesn't take place there and then. 
And that never worries me, and I don't think it should worry you. Emotions typically are like the caboose on a train. It's better if the emotions follow right action than for you to always be chasing the feeling because you'll change directions all the time, right? I have found when I get up in the morning time, I know you're like, you know, you, you know clearly that I work out in the gym regularly, probably more because I tell you than, than based on what you see. But it's very rare that when I get up in the morning time and, you know, it's 4.50 when my clock goes off and I know I've got to get certain things ready and I'm going to get in the car and drive 20 minutes and I'm excited when I get to go to the gym, the people I get to work out with, they're a lot of fun. But to be honest with you, I don't wake up with that workout feeling. In fact, about the first 10 minutes in the gym, I don't have the workout feeling. But about 15 minutes in, when the sweat is pouring down my golden locks and dripping down my neck, and I wear a hood, so it feels like hair. So anyways, as the sweat is rolling down my neck, there's something that begins to happen in right actions that all of a sudden my emotion kicks in. And it carries me through the difficult part, and I get to the end of the workout, and I'm like, yeah, that was really painful. It was horrific. It was terrible. It was leg day or it was butt day and I'm trying to walk to my car. And it's, but there's, there's the emotion follows the right action. I have never decided to stay home and found that emotion ever shows up for inaction. So love, you have to be very careful that you don't buy into the worldly version of love. You get to make the decision to love. I decide daily that I'm going to love God. And there's some days where I feel him so closely and so intently. I feel his love for me. I'm overwhelmed by the fact that he would pour out his affection on, do anything for me, especially send his son to die for me. Why, you know, I can't wrap my head around it. I'm so overwhelmed. And then there are some days that I don't feel a thing. And I know that his love is the same on both days. It's intense. And there are some days where I don't feel as I, there's some days when I, I say, Lord, I love you, and it feels like it's gushing out of my heart up to him, and like it's, it's like a fire hose bombarding heaven. I don't know how he can even stand it, because I'm, I'm sending it, and he's receiving it, and Father and Son are, oh! This is not how you think about your relationship with God. This is how I think about it. Sometimes I, I know that I'm loving him so, don't you think like this? I'm loving God so good right now. And then there's other times when I'll stand here and sing, and I will raise my hands and not feel a thing. And if that's you, do not be worried about that. Your emotions are not a good measurement for anything. Now, I know how you feel matters. But again, do not follow the caboose drive the engine, and trust that the, the emotions will follow behind. It's such a key thing, especially with love, because um, I'm the type of person, I feel emotions incredibly intense. And so what I do is I turn the switch off. It, I have to do that because if I followed my emotions all day long, I'd be like a ping pong ball going in different directions. It'd be terrible. I can't handle that. I feel intense love and intense anger. And road rage, <laughs> driving to church usually. Somebody in the left lane, this is for passing. You're not passing anyone. And yeah! Rowena and I drive by them, and after I pass them, I rev the engine as I go by because I'm teaching them a lesson as I go by. 
with the sound of my engine, and Rowena shakes her head, and, and, and I experience the emotions very intensely, but I intentionally turn them off because they tell me to run away sometimes. They tell me to burn people, and, and they tell me to, to give up often, and so for me, I flip those off. Now, some of you might, uh, I flip them off. You're tracking with me, okay? It's Saturday night, so. Um, some of you don't feel emotions very strongly. And that's okay. It's the way that you're wired. There's probably not anything wrong with you. And if you never feel the strong emotions of either loving God or loving people or experiencing people's love, love is, is way beyond a feeling. It's a decision. Now, follow me. It's a decision that then requires you to express it and then act upon it. And you can know that you're loving well or being loved well based on action, based on what is being said, but more importantly followed up, based on what is being acted out in your life. Because you can have somebody who tells you, oh, I love you, and they give you a hug and squeeze you, and oh, just you feel so wrapped up in their arms, and yet their actions, there's not any follow-through of commitment, and you can realize that you're being loved with an emotional love, but not with a biblical love. Because a biblical love will come with commitment and follow-through and time and always fighting for your very best. Okay, um, you know, for you to be able to actually love, biblical love is only possible as a byproduct of a relationship with God. You know, I found that I loved really well if it was working to get me the thing that I wanted before I knew who God was. Like, I would love the things that would return to me something of value that I wanted. But when you experience love from God that is so undeserved, it's amazing, and it will put something inside of you to love sacrificially to love not expecting or hoping for maybe something to be returned without any guarantee and will cause you to be driven and be committed to the people that are in your world and that are in that situation. Um, uh, again, biblical love is determined in your mind, in your heart, and then typically you'll express it. It's important to express your love. Anybody? Um, the guy who said one, at one point, you know, I told you I loved you when we got married and if anything changes, I'll let you know. Uh, that guy needs to spend some time in a little bit of counseling, okay? Because people need to hear that you love them regularly. And I would highly recommend as church family, especially get comfortable with doing that. Get comfortable with expressing love within God's family and to the people in your world. Maybe that's not something you grew up with, but I can tell you it's great to hear, hey, I love you. And I'm not talking just you to your kids or you to your spouse, but for um, friends to friends, and even guys to guys, a biblical, hey, I love you, is an incredibly valuable thing for you to express. And it's something that you don't hear often in this world, so let us be different, let us be God's people, let us express that well. Uh, not only express it, but then demonstrate it. When somebody needs your help, we're able to demonstrate our commitment of love as we act in other people's lives. And again, sometimes every emotion within you is going to scream to not love but your love demands that you are going to love and you become committed to that person. So in the background, imagine again that background track that's playing as you live your life. Let me give you four 
tones that should be playing, four, four aspects of your love that hopefully are playing in the song of what you're doing in your life. Again, whether it's a guilty verdict that you're issuing out or it's you're doing something incredible for someone who's going through a difficult time in their life. Uh, number one, uh, your tone needs to include your, your love for God, right? That's the thing that really sets this into motion. Your love for God is what's going to make it possible for you to love everybody else well. Without a strong love for God, you will fail miserably at loving people the way that you really could. And so being committed to God first, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, strength, soul, and mind, more than any other thing is critical, right? One of the values that I had in, as I met Rowena, was that I knew right off the bat she was never going to love me the way that she loved God. And that actually, I found great comfort in that. In fact, great excitement in that because I know that if she loves God more than me, she will always fight for God's best in my life even when I'm going the opposite direction. If you love God more than anything else, you're going to be on the straight course for the best in your life and you will be able to love other people appropriately, a love that moves them into the correct paths because your love for God will speak to them in tones and with directions and affirmations that help them to pursue after right courses. A worldly love says, oh, it doesn't matter. I love you just the way you are. Well, if you're an idiot, you want somebody to point that out. Maybe not everybody, but the people who are closest to you in your life, you want them to be able to say, look, I love you, but sometimes... I want you to know the way that you talk to your parents is inappropriate. It's disrespectful. And what does the Bible say about honoring your mother and father? We do it because it's a command, but also because the Bible has two promises with that, that your life will go well and your life will be long. So honoring your parents isn't just about doing the right thing. There's some value adds to your own life. You're able to have a life that goes better and longer. How many of you want a better life? Just about everybody in the room. No, I want a worse one. Okay, well, disrespect your parents. It's going to, you know, back of the hand, it's going to start there and continue on. And if you want a longer life, that's one of the promises of God in Scripture. And so the person who maybe pulls you aside, the friend, we got so many great students in our church, you know, working in different spots today. Be that type of friend that's, that's loving but tells the truth in love. And the truth, if you love somebody with a biblical love, your love for God looks at them and wants God's best for their life. And there will be times where you'll pull them a close and you'll say, hey, listen, you need to consider something. The way you talk to your parents is so disrespectful. There's so much attitude gushing out of you. And it's not hurting them. It's actually hurting you. And that's what friends do. When we love God, we love his word and we want to see the best things that can happen in our friends' lives. So love for God will always, if it's first, will always set the tone for all the other relationships. Uh, tons of scripture there. Um, I could read you a ton of verses. Um, it, it, certainly take a look at the notes there. There's so many scriptures that are so good. Uh, I love it. It says, for this is the love for God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. You know, there's many ways that we can declare our love for God or our express our love to God. It's part of prayer. It's part of worship as we gather. It's part of lifting our hands. It's part of singing out loud. It's part of, it, you know, there's so many different reflections of how we express our love, but how we demonstrate our love 
is by our obedience to God. And scripture teaches you that right there. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. This is how you can measure your love for God. It's, you know, you ever have your wife say to you, well, how, how much do you really love me? Well, I love you this much. That's it? No, this much. Actually, do this with your kids. I haven't done this with my wife. <laughs> my arms aren't long enough. Why even play the game? Uh, you know, your kids, no, I love you this much. No, I love you this much. How could you really measure your love for God? Well, as you're walking and as God is requiring different things of you, which, again, his, his commands are not burdensome, but when he says, hey, I want you to dial back on going there and spend more time over here, because I love you and I have better things for you, your willingness to submit to God, when you hear a word taught, and you're like, I need to do that, but I don't want to. But I should, but I don't want to. Again, you're, this is a way that you can measure your love for God. Now, don't, don't be a measurer of other people's love for God. Stay in your own lane, right? You're going to have a hard enough time loving God well yourself. You don't need to help other people to love him. Well, you do, but you, you, I think you know what I'm saying. Uh, the second tone that should be playing in the background on that soundtrack will be your love for your family. And I do put it in this order. Love for God first. I mean, if your family says... Like Job's wife said, you just need to curse God and die. You know what he said to her? Talk like a foolish woman. <laughs> Picture that Fred Sanford voice. You, what are you talking about? What are you talking about, fool? That's what he used to say to his son. All Some of you are like, Sanford and who? Listen, you, if you didn't grow up in the 70s watching evening entertainment on ABC, NBC, or CBS, um, I just, it's amazing that there will be people in your life even close to you that will rail against you to reject your love for God. But love God first and then love your family. And that means if your children, great scriptures here, Ephesians 6, the way, that you, uh, the way that you love your parents when you're a child is to obey your parents, much like the love for God. Now understand that there's a transition that's about to happen in some of your lives. As long as you live at home with mom and dad, you're to obey your parents but then later on, it says in Ephesians 6, 2 to 3, honor your father and your mother. There's going to be a point where you're no longer obeying your mom and dad. Now you're honoring your mom and dad. And it's not like a magic line in the sand. I'm 17 and I'm a grown man now. I've got a whisker here. Here it is. I'm going to put it back because I've been growing that for 17 years. And now I'm 17 and I'm a man. But there is a transition. And mom and dad, hopefully, you're keeping your eye on that process. As our kids got older... There was giving them some leeway to make their own choices and their own decisions and allowing them to honor and not have to obey. If your child is 40 years old living in your house with you and you're still telling them what to wear, there's something out of balance in your world, okay? Unless there's medical issues or, or something like that. Your children don't need to be obeying you uh, at that age. They should honor you, but that doesn't always mean doing what you want them to do. And if you're, a, you're a, an adult and you have parents, and I've had to do this, my parents have had an agenda at times for me. They love me. They care about me. But I was an adult, and in following Christ, I had to make some decisions that didn't line up with their decisions. And I just had to be okay with that because ultimately my love for God comes before my love for family. And even in honoring my parents, I still have to follow after God so I can still love but honor my parents, but not 
obey my parents because I'm no longer a child. Does that make sense? So find that, that line. Also, we love our, if you're married, you love your spouse. And, of course, Scripture teaches us um, that husbands, and I believe this applies to wives as well, in the opposite direction, but husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. You need to love your spouse like you love nobody else on this planet, including your kids. Do never, ever, I'll say this, I'll stare you down, don't you ever let your kids drive a wedge in your marriage. They're going to move out. I can tell you, for some of you, that will be the worst day on the planet. And for the others of us who love our kids dearly, but are excited on that day when their car drove down the road, hallelujah, it's just us, amen. If you allow your kids to drive a wedge in your marriage, the wedge will be there after they move out. Your kids are going to move out. Okay? So love your children well, but especially love your spouse. Be unified in your relationship with your, kid, your kids. Mom, dad, if you're in disagreement, disagree over there, out of sight. Have a discussion how to be a unified front in dealing with your child to their face. Don't ever let your child... Mm, I'm about to start... I can tell it's, mm, starting to heal it. Apologize if I get railing here a moment. Don't ever let your child to say, if your child ever says to you, Mom, I'm going to tell you something, but you can't tell Dad. You need to shut them down right then and there. Because that child is a, doesn't realize it, but is about to try to drive a wedge between your marriage. We have this rule in our church. If someone, <laughs> I promise you, do this to Tricia. Watch what happens, okay? If you go to Trisha and say, hey, listen, I want to talk to you about something about Pastor Rowena, but I don't want you to say anything to her, she's going to shut you down right then and there. And the reason why is she's going to ask you, well, have you talked to Pastor Rowena about this? Well, then why are you talking to me? Well, I just don't feel like I can talk with them. Well, then it must not be a big enough issue. Because if it was a big enough issue, you'd go talk to them. Because actually what you're doing here in this situation is you're, you're bringing gossip in and you're trying to divide me from my, my leaders. And smart parents don't allow a child to divide them. Is this okay? All right? If you've allowed that to happen, stop in Jesus' name. I command you. Change that. Yeah, um, you know, sometimes it's fun to have secrets that only your child only shares with you. I want to tell you, there's hopefully two parents for good reason. Because it's better than one. Helping to give the advice and to give the input. Um, children, you, when you do get married, some of, you, some of you, any of you singles plan on getting married? I'm looking around the room here. How many of you are single? Raise your, let me see your hands of our singles. Raise your hand. Come on, every single raise your hand. Keep it up there. Be proud. Come on. I see some of you. Did you get married this, this week? No, raise your hand if you're single. Are we not part? No, I ain't raising my hand. I hope you're not struck with singleness. Well, your wits... You're not married yet, are you? Okay, well, we, we, maybe, you were, maybe you got married today. I don't know. <laughs> maybe you just better walk away. And Okay. Um, I, I am excited for those of you. Um, I've done a number of your weddings in here. I did uh, Jordan and Caitlin's wedding. Man, you want to talk about a crazy, awesome wedding. And, and get this, the departure. <sighs> Don't even try. It's our, the prize has been won by Jordan. Hey, girl, why don't you get with me on my sailboat and we'll sail out into the harbor together? 
photographer taking snapshots of them holding hands and kissing on their sailboat. I walked down the aisle. We got into a rental car. <laughs> it's, it is so awesome to watch people get married. There's others, Shane and Kim. They got married in Mexico, but actually got the real wedding at the gym. Not all that long ago. Dog running around, hitting the ball up in all different directions. <laughs> Dog is crazy for this, these big exercise balls. And uh, we were all trying not to be distracted, but the dog was having great fun. And this was great, too. Um, there, there's some of you that I'll probably, I might do your future wedding. But I'll say this, that when you love God first, regardless of how the emotion hits you at that moment, you're going to be able to love that person incredibly well. And while there might be great emotion and you have a sailboat, the sun's going to go down. And out on the water, it's going to be dark and cold. And how do we get back to shore? Real life is going to kick in. It's not all a postcard. And so just a word of advice will be leave and cleave. Give all to that spouse. Still love your parents, but leave and cleave. Give everything to that that relationship. I've, I've said to most couples as they get married, you know, does your family have Christmas traditions? Yeah. Does your family have Christmas traditions? Yeah. Okay, let me give you a word of advice. Create your own tradition this year. Establish your own Christmas tradition this year. Because you will run around for the rest of your life trying to please everybody else's traditions. But you need to, the Bible uses that phrase, Genesis 2.24. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother, and he shall hold fast. King James says, cleave to his wife, and they shall become one. And so it's the idea of building your family together for you guys. And if that decision is, well, we're going to go to your parents on Christmas Eve and do the biblical thing, open up our gifts on Christmas Eve as God intends, if you make that decision to do that, then so be it. I'm not saying that you can't still include other people, but I highly recommend that you build your life together. Amen? So love your family, love your children, make sure that includes discipline, not in anger, in love. Uh, also, the tone in the background will be love for other people. You're going to find that this will be a lot easier as you love God and you love your family well. Um, it's the second commandment that Jesus said, the second and most important commandment is you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Um, it doesn't mean that... Um, You'll never be able to fully, on a broad scale, love your neighbor like yourself because you have to live your life. You can't pull yourself out of the equation and love them as if you don't exist, but you can love your neighbor sacrificially as you could be loved the same way. And I'm going to say it's people that you like and agree with, but it's also going to be, in this day and age, many people that you don't necessarily like and you disagree with. I don't care which side of the political, well, I do care which side of the political aisle that you live on. Hopefully it's on whichever side is the most biblical. I don't think that God has a political party, but I will say this, every time I vote or every time I'm engaged with politics, which I highly recommend, I'm trying to vote for the person who's most aligned with scripture, even though they're still a partially insane person at times, Right? Jesus is not running for political office. He's already king and lord. We have to vote for people who are flawed. Some of them are 
have a deep desire to serve the community, and some just have a passion for power. When we vote, we vote for people who are most aligned with Scripture. You're never going to find anybody who's completely aligned with Scripture. But if I find myself voting a different way than you, I can still love you well without trying to get you to vote for my guy. Don't ever have a guy. I'm, I'm telling you, don't ever have a guy. Because if you have a guy, you have to have all of that guy and everything he's ever done and ever will do and ever will say. Don't have a guy. Vote, but don't have a person. The moment you've got a person, the moment I say, no, 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 chances, chance is my guy. Well, chance isn't perfect, depending on who you talk to. I know he's not perfect because I don't have stars in my eyes. He's got way too much hair. Look at the guy. It's a waste of time. He should be looking. I'll help you out later. We can we'll do this. I'm sure Abby would love that. Um, the moment you, you declare a guy, then you've got to defend his stupid actions. I don't, I'm not talking about you now, Chance. <laughs> not. I can, I can still be forced. I can still have voted for someone. I didn't vote for everything they ever did. I voted for the policies that I believed in that were aligned with Scripture. I'm going to be honest with you. There's some people that I've voted for in the past, most aligned with Scripture that I could find, but that wasn't very aligned. And so with great horror, I flipped the switch, saying, Dear God, could you please raise someone up Raise some of our young people who have a heart for you that will run for political office. Who's your guy? Oh, I'm going to vote for this person. He's not my guy or my gal. You know, in loving others, you know, there was something very interesting in Scripture that I think is valuable for us, and I, I have to stop, but Scripture teaches us there should be a different level of love in the church for one another. In fact, the reality is there's in some cases, I have more in common with many of you and more connectivity and more interaction than I have with some of my natural family. Now, while I don't celebrate that, it is a reality that when our lives are aligned as we follow Jesus, there's a natural running together. And the Bible talks about um, our love should be demonstrated in a way that all people will know that we are his disciples. And the Bible goes on to say, if you have love for one another. In other words, I love you, I'm committed to you, I'm, I express it, and I demonstrate it. I love to watch our church love one another well. I know that John and Barb bought a new house, and I know Corey has been over there a ton. Amen. And, and because if you, I mean, you want an example of somebody who loves people well? Corey. He loves all people well, but you'll notice as you watch Corey, he demonstrates a love for people in the house of God especially. Why are you over there messing around with John's gate? Let him figure it out. He'll call, well, no, he's not going to figure it out maybe. And and because I couldn't, I'm not saying you, John, I'm saying any of us. Well, he could just call somebody. No, 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 but that's my friend. But he's, he's 10 years older than you are. Or however, I don't know, I'm not good with math, so. He's older than you. What do you have in common with him? You know what I have in common with him? Christ died for him, and he stood up and said, ooh, thank you, Lord. I, I want to follow after you. And I did the same thing, and it bonds us together in a way that's phenomenal. I'll say this, and I'm going to end. I promise you. I'll take a couple small comments, but 
One disturbing thing in this season has been how this has been a season in churches, not just our church, but in churches across the spectrum, you discover have lived in a worldly form of love. And when the season has tested the relationships, people have pulled the pin on their church relationships because they've lost the loving feeling. And what I love about you, and hopefully we all experience together, is there's been probably some moments you've been irritated, and yet you said, but I'm committed to my love for people. That's how the house of God should be. Also, finally, you should love your enemies, but since you don't have any, you really have nothing to talk about. So stand with me. You've never had an enemy, ever. Okay. If you don't have all the passion and all the music playing in the background, you can still love well. And if you have all that crazy emotion, that's cool, but be a little careful because that might drain out. And that's not what you should be. That's not really love. That's an emotion. So let me pray for you to love well. If you want to love God well, you want to love your family well, you want to love your friends well, you want to even love your enemies, just take your hands and extend them to the sky. We're going to sing in just a moment, but let me pray over you. Father, I thank you for people with our hands raised high. Lord, I, I want to love you more. I don't need more of an emotional love, but Lord, I need to learn to express it better. I want to love you better by the way I express my love. I want to be freer in my worship. I want to be freer in the way I pray. I want to be unintimidated by who's watching or how they'll perceive this. Lord, I want to love you really well. Help me to move forward, especially in the area of obedience. God, when you speak to my heart, I want to be sensitive and I want to say yes to what you're asking for because it is the biggest hug I could give you. It's the biggest kiss that I could return to you. Father, help me to love my family well. Even in moments when it's trying, even in moments I'm afraid, or I don't know what to do, but I know your word. Help me to love my family well. Lord, help me to love my friends well. Help me to love them better and better. Even, even the people in my world that I don't necessarily like, Help me to have that vision for your best for their life and me to interact with them in a way that brings that best into play. And it's probably not me making fun of them. It's not me withholding information from them so they'll look stupid, but it's me being the type of friend so they can experience you. Help me to do that, Lord. And when it comes to my enemies, Lord, help me to see while I'm experiencing a, a conflict with someone, you still intensely love them even if they've hurt me. And so give me the strength to love well my enemies. I realize that might not ever mean that we'll be hand-holding buddies. We might not ever do Christmas together, but I can still love them. I can still be committed to them for your best, certainly not their destruction. So help me to love my enemies well. Lord, we thank you so much. Thank you for loving us when we were at our worst so that we could become our very best. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everyone said amen and amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, leaders, and what we do at C3 Church, visit our website at c3swwa.com.